everyone, and welcome back to Strikes Our Fancy, the show where we talk about exactly that, whatever piques our interest in pop culture. I'm Craig, one of your hosts. Today you'll be here listening to me spout my completely uneducated opinion. Along with me, I have... I'm Rob, and I'm the most boring and useless person on the planet. <laughs> and I'm Caleb Johnson. Uh, you guys need more confidence in your opinions. <laughs> uh, uh, throwing, throwing out confidence into the internet is going to do nothing but get crushed. That, that's how I feel. Uh, I don't want I'm going to start low. Uh, my parents always told me honesty was the best policy. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to start with a question, and, and I think that is, what draws you more to a story? Uh, the characters or the universe? And I know how I feel, but I'm curious. Rob, Caleb, how do you guys feel? Well, the way you ask that question, what draws me to a story more, definitely universe. Yeah. That's, you don't know the characters yet. You only know what the story is about. So the premise is really what's going to draw you, the, the universe that, mm-hmm. you're, that you're in. But, you know, long term, the universe is only so interesting. You've got to have interesting characters. Okay. So you're saying as, as an initial hook to a story or, or some content, the universe presents that premise. It's like, Absolutely. I'm thinking Carrie and I just started watching um, Shadow and Bone. I don't know if Ooh. on Netflix. Um, there's an immediate hook. There's like there's this big rift in the world that's full of like darkness and dark creatures. To traverse through it is super dangerous, and like that they present that immediately, and I'm like, all right, I'm interested. Like they got me. That's exactly what happened. So I hadn't thought about it like that. That's really good. Yeah, good way to put it. Same thing with Game of Thrones. I mean, like they introduce the the ice zombies almost right away, and then you don't see them for about two years. <laughs> that's, you know? Yeah. Um, but that that's an interesting hook to see these zombies show up in this medieval think, show i don't think it was like that in the book it was, was it? um yeah. yep uh, in the first book the first chapter these it's... random characters meet these zombies okay of north right yeah, yeah just like the show starts it's, yeah. it's two um night watcher or crows i can't remember what they're actually called but yeah they're out about north of the wall and they run into some whites okay yeah so the book and the show start the same curious your initial thoughts caleb Universe uh, characters. rob stole my uh Stole it from me. Oh, yes. uh, <laughs> got him. That's why I wanted to go first. Because yeah. um, it is. It's, uh, if it's anything sci-fi, I I kind of gravitate towards it. Obviously, um, anything to do with like spaceships and shit like that <laughs> is uh, one of my joys. Yeah. So obviously, if the characters aren't there to hook you in with that uh, magic, it's useless. Okay. So. Okay, so we've, we've kind of established pr- starting premise is universe. And I think that's fair. I, I, I want to go two ways with that. First, I want to say, is there a show or some content you can think of that started with the character? Hold on there, moderator. What's your... Uh... Oh, yeah. Okay. Uh, over, I, was, I, I agree with the idea that, that universe initially is usually the, the, the hook. But for me, when I'm consuming content, it's always universe. You can pluck any character out of an interesting universe and they're still an interesting character. You can pluck boring characters out of a boring universe. I guess is kind of how I view it. Yeah, but you can pluck an interesting character out of a boring universe. Right, but but you're not it's it's not the consistency matters to me. Like in an interesting universe where the where things are engaging outside of your main character's plot, I want to know those character stories too. I want to know like how did this character that we saw for one scene, how did they get to where they got? What's their story? Who so, are they you're not interested in a series that takes place in the real world. Oh, absolutely not. Real world's boring. Like, why would I want that? I live here. I don't need that. <laughs> I don't need that when I'm watching TV. 
fair enough. Yeah. I think there's lots of events in life that can prove that the real world is a little bit more interesting than you think. But I do concede a world where a giant sandworm rolls over the desert is a little bit more interesting. Right. Yeah. Like where, where, where the laws of nature in that, that established universe are so fundamentally different than our own. You create situations that we could never have in real life. Yeah, absolutely. And, and because of those situations, I think all of the characters are driven by different motivations. And I find that very interesting. So to me, it's a, it's chicken and the egg. I think there's, this isn't like one begets the other begets the other. It's the interesting universe begets interesting characters, not the other way around. But I think you can put an interesting character in any situation, uh, in any universe, and it's, there's going to be a good story coming out of it. That that is true. I mean, I, look I, at look at Sherlock Holmes. Hmm. So many stories throughout history. Um, I know that there are science fiction stories starring Sherlock Holmes. Right. It pisses me off that you said that because I was <laughs> going to bring that up. <laughs> Get out of his head, yeah. Rob. <laughs> Uh, it was just the first character that came to me that is in the public domain, so there's and plenty of yeah, stories. Yeah. So and, many times. And I, I mean, you can make a bad Sherlock Holmes story. Conan Doyle did it. Will Ferrell. <laughs> yeah. Will Ferrell played Sherlock. <laughs> in what? And John C. Riley was his home or his oh, Watson. Oh, sorry. I was thinking Will Arnett. I had Will Arnett no, in my head. No. I'm like, what? <laughs> okay, so I'm gonna choose. I'm gonna cherry pick this specific example we've got. We've got Will Ferrell as Sherlock Holmes. Was he an? Because I haven't seen it, and Rob, you haven't seen it. No, I haven't. So Caleb, you have. I watched half of it. Okay. Ooh, wow. So, yeah. So what stopped you? Because I mean, we still have an established character, Sherlock, and we had I don't it, the established universe is still like typical Victorian time, right? Yeah. So what was it that you didn't like in that? Will Ferrell just doesn't have oh. the chops to portray a Sherlock Holmes, <laughs> especially like I get that it's a satirical movie. Yeah. But. I think you can do a funny Sherlock Holmes movie without. So you're saying it was the character. It was. Okay. Uh, they gave Watson an interesting uh, motivation in the movie about like he's always portrayed as the second man to Sherlock, mm-hmm. and that was getting to him. So the whole movie, okay. like in essence, was about Watson becoming his own person as a detective. I actually kind of like that because in in the traditional stories and in the traditional retellings, it's always like Watson's like, oh my gosh, Sherlock's so amazing. Someone needs to tell his stories. I'll fall on this sword. Like he's doing, yeah, the world a favor by being an underling to Sherlock. Yeah. So that's But cool. it's been better. It's been done better already with Elementary with Johnny Lee Miller and Lucy Liu, mm. in my opinion. Okay. Um, you know, there's a lot of movies where they there's just no artistic integrity. They just are packing names in. Yeah. Um, I'm yeah. thinking every movie ever made by DreamWorks. <laughs> Shots fired, apparently. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I fucking hate DreamWorks. You hate Shrek? <sighs> Look. Did somebody once not tell you? <laughs> Look, even the most horrible company in the world can sometimes make a good movie. <laughs> But you cannot deny that there is nobody at DreamWorks, or you cannot deny, yeah, that there's nobody at DreamWorks who cares about their movies. They're just there to make money. Uh, B movie. Ugh. <laughs> ugh. She fucked that B. We've been she waiting <laughs> for a B human woman romance story. <laughs> yeah, it had to happen eventually. Oh, okay. So I'm gonna I'm gonna wrangle us back in a little bit. What were we talking about again? <laughs> Character versus universe. Yeah, um, you almost asked a question there. If there was ever 
story where the character drew you in before the universe yes did. like yes did the initial introduction to the character was that the first touchstone with whatever it is you're watching or viewing or listening to and was that what hooked you more than the set dressing yes and which is uh interestingly enough it was a universe steven universe nice huh. Before that show... Uh, so your point is null and... No, exactly. it, it doesn't count. <laughs> Still about the universe. Right. Um, I I kind of just stumbled upon that show mm. through blogs before it was before the uh, trailer ever came out. Mm. Um, and uh, just, just reading about it, just seeing like, oh yeah, there's this, there's this pudgy little fat kid who is kind of a magical anime girl. <laughs> um, and they fight monsters and occasionally does a Sailor Moon-esque transformation exactly yeah. um, I was into that I was, oh okay this is cool I want to see this do we need to talk goes. to the authorities Rob <laughs> <laughs> maybe <laughs> problem yep but so okay so what you did, it wasn't even the first episode it wasn't like the pilot of the show you were reading about this character and yeah we're, we're, we're I, I wanted to see where it went interesting um, and, I mean maybe you could say um I was interested because, you know, they said, oh, there's the gems, and I wanted to know what that was about, mm-hmm. but um, I, I was interested in the show before we knew that it was universe-hopping, aliens, uh, taking over alternate histories mm-hmm. kind of craziness. It was just, it really was, to me, a show about a kid and a monster of the week. That's what Steven your, Universe your is. Your face, Caleb. <laughs> well, you've explained it to me before, but you've never said that sentence to me about it being a universe spanning. Like, sounds way more intriguing. It, that sounds right? way more intriguing than well, how it's been explained. Mostly, to me. it does take place on Earth. Okay. In an alternate history uh, where humanity has gone on a different tangent, but that it really it's played straight. It, it doesn't come up. Mm-hmm. It's it's on the periphery. Yeah, that show does a great job of like dropping massive plot points with a little foreshadowing, but not like spoon feeding it to you. It's like, bam, revelation to the main character, also a revelation to you. We didn't get to see anything happening off somewhere else or anything. But is this a show with consequences? Yes. Okay. Like, yes. The big bombshells aren't dropped in an episode and forgotten. No. No. Steven has massive PTSD by the end of the show. Yeah. And. Big bombshells that you that you as the viewer get to see in flashbacks have, are some of the reasons Stephen has PTSD. He's like, "What the fuck am I?" is is almost kind of what's yeah. happening. Um, yeah, it, it's really good, um, and it's in 15, 15 minutes little 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 <laughs> nibbles. You don't you can commit a little bits of chunks of time to it. I think I can do that. I remember watching the first episode with you a while back, and you watch it was kind of. It's a little bit weird. It's, yeah. Oh, it's super it's, weird. <laughs> Well, it seemed to revolve around like a, a cat shaped ice cream or cookie cat. cat. Yeah. Okay. Super duper yummy. <laughs> cookie cat. He's a treat for your tummy. Okay. <laughs> he left his family behind. <laughs> and I don't think cookie cat ever comes up again. No, but like, that's it's, it. It sticks with you. It, <laughs> well, it, it's like mentioned that Stephen misses his cookie cats once in a while. Right, I and I think maybe you see the cookie cat fridge every yeah. in the background, but <laughs> but yeah, it, it it's that's just the the setup for that episode. Okay, yeah. so I you're, I think that is a prime example of even just abstracting from your experience that episode. The universe seems really dull. Mm-hmm. You're like oh, this kid's after ice cream. Yeah, but the character was like, who is this kid and what is he about? Like the character drew, I will admit, it drew me in more than than the universe did. Yeah, and and perhaps the more interesting characters in 
that episode were the gems. Mm. You could argue because what you what you really want to know is why are they called the gems? Right. Where do they get their powers from? That mm. yeah, you're interested in the in the universe, but right. that that's the fuzzy line of like what is the, what defines universe yeah. and what defines character, exactly. which we haven't established. I don't think you can really. No. Yeah. So the gems are people. No, they're or gems. They're, gems. They're just gems. Yeah. Gems. But they're important. They're the crystal gems. But they're people. All right. <laughs> <laughs> Everything everything's cleared up now, right? Oh yeah, yeah I get it now. <laughs> I'm gonna go binge watch it. But I I was gonna go down a different road, so I wanted to talk. So Caleb, do you have any other ideas in terms of a character that drew you in, like way before anything with the, uh, the, the world? For me, it was Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Oh yeah, nice. Um, I specifically remember the episode that was season six, episode twenty one. Jeez, my first episode <laughs> of Buffy the Vampire Slayer episode. Um, Wait, season six? Yeah. <laughs> All right. I, I caught it on FX before school, and it was just there. And I'm watching these two girls fight, which is not the reason. <laughs> uh, but they're fighting, and it's just an epic struggle. And then the the obvious black haired baddie gets the better of Buffy and she says a typical villain line like there's nobody on the world and nobody in the world who can stop me now and the next thing you know she's blown away by this flash of green light and this guy in a drench trench coat is there and he's got this energy in his hand and he's like I would like to test that theory mm. and then the episode ends and I was like <laughs> I need to know who these people are and what's going on yeah. I had no like pretense for what happened before yeah. why they're fighting what's going on mm. that's cool yeah but it drew me in, and that those characters on that same kind of the same thing, um, although massively different. Um, I was uninterested in uh, The Office. I mean, I, I was young when it came out; I didn't really care for it. I'm gonna I'm gonna piss some people off here. I'm still uninterested in The Office. <laughs> Fair enough. I'm with you. Um, but what got me to watch it? Uh, I someone had left the TV on. I walked by, and it's the episode where. Jim had hidden Andy's phone up in the ceiling tiles and it was Andy's just absolute freak out <laughs> that got me to think, okay, this show's pretty funny. <laughs> um, and, and, it, and it was really Andrew Bernard was the character that made me want to watch that show. Yeah. yeah. I sat through five seasons of it because I, I really wanted to like it. I admire that, your... That, that is a lot for a show you ended up not liking. Right, yeah, five seasons to give it a chance. That's and insane. I would chuckle, and I only laughed out loud three times-ish. The fire drill episode where Dwight traps oh, everybody in the fire. <laughs> I, I laughed out loud. I have seen loud. that. That is pretty funny, yeah. The clips are funnier than the show, I think. Well, yeah, because they're... they're, they're I just, agree with that. They're extracting yeah. the, the best nuggets yeah. and, and showing those. Um, like I have no interest in Michael Scott, his arc. I have no. no does he have an arc? Is that he does? Yeah, okay. I actually, I, I didn't see any change. Uh, there's a big change between season one and season two, because they wanted to make him a little bit softer. Mm-hmm. And then yeah, he doesn't change a lot throughout the rest of the series until kind of the end. And that's a long time to wait for a payoff. There sure is, no. <laughs> but no. um, he does actually end up changing a little bit. Okay. I'm curious. Are there any, is there any content for you guys that is, this is the end all be all universe. Like this world is incredibly fascinating and will always be fascinating. Doctor Who. Yeah. Okay. It's fair. No, hold on. That's not fair (laughs) because Doctor Who has every conceivable universe ever (laughs) 
Yeah. Anything can anytime, happen. Anytime, any place. It's amazing. So is that a, that's a cotton? It's too easy of an answer. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's it it is my but favorite no, the, show. I mean the the whole time travel TARDIS thing that that really is the universe of Doctor yeah. Who, and, and that is fair. That that's something that you could just always watch. Although, well, I I do like the fact that there are episodes where they're facing threats in the future and they talk about big things, the mm-hmm. human Cyberman war, yeah. Yeah. the Dalek invasion of Earth, but you don't really see a lot of these events. You see the aftermath of the events. Yeah. So that's the world building, I think, that, that I really enjoy. And you may not see a lot of it, you're looking at me funny. So I, no, I want you to finish your thought, but I, I have a. Th- that was the thought. Okay, I have I have a comment, and I'm I'm scared, Caleb. I'm scared for our friendship. There's a table in the middle here, and <laughs> I will flip it. <laughs> um, I think I stopped watching Doctor Who because I thought the stories in the universe were getting too similar. I think. I, when did you stop? I stopped shortly after it. Capaldi. Um, Which is when a lot of people stopped. And I can kind of see why, but he's one of my favorite doctors. Right, and I do. Yeah. I like Peter Capaldi. I think he's a great actor, and I I like what I have seen of him as the Doctor. But I think I don't know if it was just fatigue, like sci-fi fatigue. But like you say, this universe is literally boundless. We can do anything, go anywhere, go anytime. But then why do our stories feel the same so much? It it did get very. Uh, I, I think fatigue is the right an- yeah. the right yeah. word for it because. Um, you know, at, at a certain point, it was every single threat every week is always a threat to all of time and existence. Mm. Pond can save the day. <laughs> <laughs> I I do love me the ponds, and that might have been part of why I stopped watching too. I'm like, the ponds aren't around anymore. Fuck this shit. <laughs> I was over them. Really? Yeah. Oh, I I love Rory. I agree. I, well, Rory was great. Yeah. Oh, okay, yeah. Amy. Yeah, she, she gets she, gets she a got little, to be much. Yeah. Um, well, by the end, I, I, I yeah, great, great companion at the beginning, but mm-hmm. true. Yeah, her much. her her plot arc with the crack and like being exposed to time and like that was really cool. She did have some cool elements, but yeah, she started to get a little, I don't know. Yeah, yeah, I think the same the same point I just made about the show as a whole. I think I felt the same about Amy. And so I'm curious, you, Caleb, being one of the biggest Doctor Who fans I've ever known, how do you feel having consumed an insane amount of it? I don't agree with that. Okay. Like, I think, I think this is fatigue. You watch a show for so many years. Cause I will admit, I did stop watching around the first season of Capaldi, but I think that was just tired. Mm. Um, but I jumped back in on his last season and I went back and rewatched his old stuff Mm -hmm. and I really enjoyed a lot of it. So I think it is, there's just fatigue that happens, especially when a show has been on for eight years. When Capaldi took over. And I, I wonder if so much of that was, all right, all right, we've been with Eccleston, we've been with Smith, we've been with uh, Tennant, sorry, I got those mixed up, been with Tennant, been with Smith, we finished that arc, it probably was just a logical place for a lot of people, like, I'm not invested anymore, I'm just going to take a break. Yeah. yeah. And he is vastly different. He's but not yeah. the young, handsome, energetic, well, he's yeah. energetic in a different way, but he's not the young, handsome person that mm. the... That, you come to know, and, and it is a big break between the two kind of eras. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but so, how about you, Rob? A universe that has pulled you in and has kept giving, versus versus the characters in it that has drawn you in. Uh gosh, I don't know. Um, I know that's a broad question yeah. to throw on you. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, there there really isn't one. Um, no. I guess you could say Star Trek, but 
I am not happy with the kind of ever since Voyager ended, it's it hasn't been Star Trek to me. Hmm. Why is that? It's radically different. What was the one after Voyager with um, Scott Bakula? Enterprise. Uh, Enterprise. Enterprise. I've, I've never watched that one. Actually, I, I did end up kind of liking Enterprise. Um, but And, and I, I think that kind of harkens to the main problem that I have with it is they want to stick with before the original series. Hmm. Uh, because you had Enterprise, which is, I think, 100 years, maybe 80 years before the original series. Okay. And then there was nothing until the reboot which was Captain Kirk and, and right, the same team. where we've been before. Yeah, but it didn't feel like Captain Kirk and the team. We have uh, Discovery, which is during Captain Kirk era. Mm. and Ten years before. Okay. But we're still, we're still, to Rob's <laughs> it's, point, we're still before. It's during the Captain Pike era. Yeah. yeah. Um, and it still doesn't feel like the original series. Mm. And I'm just get on with it you know <laughs> we don't need to keep living in this chunk right yeah. there's uh, there's spoilers I really want to tell you mm. but I won't tell you <laughs> but if you continue to discover you'll find out okay I'm intrigued uh, the only the only show the Star Trek show that I've liked recently was the Lower Decks <laughs> which is very much not uh, a Star Trek <laughs> show it's a show about Star Trek yeah <laughs> but it's great Picard? No, I, I I enjoyed it, but again, it it didn't feel. It felt like Picard in a story set not two hundred years from now, but two weeks from now. Well, but just... you, you could argue that really the reason that 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 universe has fallen out of favor for me is because they kind of left the universe behind, hmm. and they're moving in a totally new direction. Like take take Discovery for instance, they go to the original Enterprise, but it's not the original Enterprise; it's a different one. Uh, but there are episodes, you know. There's the episode in um, the Next Generation when Scotty comes back. He goes to the holodeck and he wants to be on the bridge of the original Enterprise. Mm. I think they had to rebuild the set or something, but he goes there and it's the original Enterprise. They didn't change anything. Mm. Uh, and then great episode of Deep Space Nine, Trials and Tribulations, where they go back to that episode of the original series, and they like wear their hair in 60s styles, <laughs> they wear the old uniforms, any sets they built, they built them like they built in the 60s. I mean, it was, it was more of a fun episode, but... What I'm hearing is you don't want quality in your Star Trek. You want the cardboard sets, and yes. you, want, you yes. want the campy characters and outfits. Yes. The walls the, the aren't thing, wobbling. The thing that I hated most Sexy about aliens. Star Trek 2009 was that it was interesting and fun. <laughs> <laughs> I want to loop back to my own question. You, Can I just... I, I want to ask you a question quick. Yeah. Okay. Is it because it's changing? Like, so... Okay. The, the original series to Next Generation changed. Yeah. That was a great change. Uh, Deep Space Nine changed, and that was a great change. Uh, Voyager was kind of going back to the original formula, but it was it was very different from what Star Trek had become at that point. Um, that was a great change. Um, so what what really what I don't like is that they're, um, you know, they have all this all this established universe. And they're throwing it away and saying, no, we want to make it look cooler. We want to make it look more modern. Hmm. But it shouldn't look modern. It's 200 years in the future. 
so you're not a fan of the the structural change of like the physical ships to look more modern fancy lights and fancy control panels and i mean that would probably be easier to stomach if they weren't setting it in an established time of a, a, in a military what? organization that should have uniforms they should have yeah. what you're, you're i think what i'm hearing is you don't like the lack of continuity yeah oh, okay a, a physical like, continuity okay. right. it's like it's not necessarily the writing or the characters or the story uh... Uh, <laughs> you might have an issue with that but that's not what you're talking about right yeah. now it's you are upset that like in in tos they have communicators mm-hmm. and then we go to um star trek 2009 and they're using their little their badges to talk to each other. Like we've lost this community, like stuff like that is what you're getting at. Like, well, I think they true? had the communicators in 2000. Do they have that in the 2009 one? Okay. But, but yeah, like, but, but that's the crux is like the, the monitors and the readouts that we saw yeah. in TOS. We lost those. Mm-hmm. And now we see more like what monitors actually look like today. And right. you're saying it shouldn't, it shouldn't look like that because that's like. what monitors look like today. Because they were trying to predict the future in TOS. Yeah. Versus now they're, and, and they knew they couldn't. Right. So they, they didn't really actually try. They just put lights on, right. uh, lights behind a black panel, <laughs> and it was great. It was fine. Yeah. Um, Are and, you just as miffed about like the Klingon redesign, like the Klingon? Actually, I like the Klingon redesign. Um, but, but again, I think it was established that Klingons had smooth heads during that time period. That was established in the show, and it was even talked about in Deep Space Nine. Hmm. They asked Worf why the Klingons look like that. And he said, we don't talk about it to outsiders. <laughs> so like, that was a thing that was, that was not, uh, we're just going to ignore that, wave it away as they didn't have the makeup at the it's time. It's a mystery. It's a question to yeah. be answered. Right. But now we're looking at discovery and the Klingons are monsters. They're yeah. I mean, and, and, and I love the design of the Klingons now because it really fits in more with the, the history of who the Klingons are, because I don't know if you guys know this, but the way we're, um, allegedly uh, evolved from apes. Klingons are evolved from crabs. But crabs, are the, crabs are the ultimate life form. <laughs> They'll evolve back at some point. <laughs> okay. I did want to loop back because I have for five episodes now not talked about my all-time favorite thing and so I'm going to do it. I'm going to go there this episode. I've been waiting. And <laughs> been holding back. And I will hold up Dune, the sci-fi classic by Frank Herbert, as, in my opinion, the penultimate universe-over-character story. The characters are very interesting and they're intriguing, but, like, the depth of that universe in the factions, in the worlds, and how all of these things interconnect and play and work on each other, regardless of the characters involved, is just fascinating to me. And it will utterly... I will always have more questions about the Dune universe. I will always want to know more, and there, I think there's always more to learn and there's always more behind the veil in that universe and I think that's why I think it's so good but what if there was a Dune story where the character was just garbage you just did not care for the main character so all the books written by Frank Herbert's son Brian <laughs> I was hoping you would say <laughs> that oh god they're awful they're so bad. I, you know the original arc that was finished by Brian god those books fucking suck I know they're supposedly canon according to Frank Herbert's notes that they found and worked on but it just I hated that ending pissed me off so much Ugh, gross but I maintain Beetlejuice did the better sandworm I'll fight you <laughs> Shai Halud will cleanse you because I, I don't even how big is the sandworm in Beetlejuice I don't even remember it's not consistent it's, right, yeah. yeah I was like these are not equivalents yeah. right <laughs> uh, 
It's got two heads. Does it? It's got like one on the inside. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. It's, it's got the xenomorph mouth. Yep. I know this about myself. I generally engage with universes more than characters. Like, I think of Harry Potter. I would much rather learn more about magic in general than Harry Potter himself. I think Harry Potter is a really bland character. Yeah, I, don't, I, don't engage, I don't like him. But, like, I, I think I was talking to, to my wife about this not that long ago. I like stories that explain the things that are different from our own world. So, like, in Harry Potter, we have magic. But we don't really know how magic works in Harry Potter. They never talk about it. And, in, and for a premise where they're going to school to learn about magic, why is there not, like, a theoretical, practical magic class where we learn, like, oh, magic comes from this other world and we channel it through this? And... There, there is. You just wouldn't understand. Exactly. <laughs> Stu- yeah. I thought it was midichlorians. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, but yeah, that, so that that is a hole in, like, the Harry Potter universe that's always bugged me. Is it a hole or is it just... It's just something that's never addressed. Yeah. So it, to me, it's a hole. What are your thoughts on Little Witch Academia? I haven't watched it. It's pretty good. Yeah, it's it's kind of funny. I've heard I've heard good stuff. Um, and, and it's that same uh, students going to learn how to do magic, right? Uh, but in typical anime fashion, the main character is an underdog who oh, she'll never be able to do magic. But uh, uh, so on the on the anime vein, in a universe that I love, that does an amazing thorough job of explaining how it works. Full Metal Alchemist. Like okay, yeah. Like the magic is a science, and we get to learn along with the main characters how that science works, the laws of transmutation and equivalent exchange, and like that to me is like this is a beautiful universe. That... But the whole point of magic is that it's not science. Well, except lies. I... <laughs> <laughs> uh, I I have to argue with, and I'm probably gonna get hate for this. I don't like the world of. Full Metal Alchemist. Really? Yeah, and and this is more on the political side of it. I feel oh, okay. like the the nations involved just don't make any sense. Oh yeah, absolutely. All. Yeah, this this weird circle nation that's been like carving itself out of other nations, and apparently <laughs> those other nations just kind of let it happen. Uh, I, I mean, there I, are wars. I, but... I mean, there are wars, but like the idea that this circle, this tiny little nation, would be able to maintain autonomy in that environment. But they have the most powerful alchemy. I suppose. Yeah, I don't know. But, so you're saying you don't like the political intrigue of Full Metal Alchemist? Because I mean, I thought that was great how the political intrigue turned into this so, like horror there, pseudo. There was a, a little bit of it that was good, but it just the you know the way they set up the nations doesn't. It, it... Oh, okay. Like that one specific thing. Yeah. Just gonna irk you. Yeah. Um, to address your fighting words, Caleb, that <laughs> magic is indist- like is magic because it's un- un- ununderstandable. Is that what I'm understanding? I'm not saying ununderstandable, but I don't. If they don't explain the rules, or like if they don't explain like where magic comes from, I don't count that as like a hole in the story. I, and I because guess it is, it comes back to the characters for that. Hmm. They're more important to the story than the actual mechanics of magic. And, and when you do explain where the magic comes from, you do run the risk of kind of ruining it a little bit. Midichlorians, exactly. If okay, midichlorians in Star Wars. If maybe we had gotten some actual information <laughs> rather than just like, oh, it's this weird shit in your blood. That was, like, the most half-assed answer we ever got. <laughs> That's like, true. And, and you know, they, the midichlorians let you... They, they make you Force-sensitive. They still don't really explain what the Force is. Right, how you manipulate the midichlorians in your body. Yeah. Like, and, I, and I think in some of the expanded universe, they do go into that a bit midichlorian injection kind of thing and, like, trying to boost your count or whatever, but that still doesn't necessarily explain how you use it. Like, yeah. it was just, it's kind of a just a vague plot point at that point. So Obi-Wan could give me his blood and I would be... Maybe. I don't know. That's 
Probably not. I don't. Right? Because that's it's because magic. That's that's, exactly. the, that's the gap we're missing, especially yeah. in Star Wars. Is okay. So you've got midi chlorians, but now what? <laughs> I just don't think it. Uh, universes with magic shouldn't be discounted just because we don't know where it comes from. I don't know. I, I'm not saying they should be discounted. I'm saying that me personally, me giving my opinion, Caleb, <laughs> don't fucking at me. Um, <laughs> I just I like to know. I like to get those answers because no, I find I, I got to agree with Craig here. I it's it's interesting to to have rules about how magic works and understand them. Because then it's all the more it's it's all the more cool when a character bends those rules and you're like, you can understand how they bent those rules and maybe how they thought of something that no other character has yeah. and do something amazing and it makes it makes that more so much more impactful than well it's magic. So And he can do what he wants. And he can do what he wants, yeah. <laughs> this whole thing made me think of a great Arthur C. Clarke quote that any sufficiently advanced technology is indistinguishable from magic yeah. that magic can be anything hidden behind a veil of complexity and that's fair and i guess i like to peek behind that veil yeah <laughs> <laughs> thanks for the insight rob great great dialogue yeah. here great back and forth um, i'm really feeling the energy for on, our first episode note, in I, person. I do love uh, the kind of stories where um character from a futuristic race or time uh, comes to a primitive culture and makes himself a god. Mm. Um, Ash Williams, Army of the Dead. <laughs> <laughs> this is my boomstick. Yeah. Yeah, I, I love that. Um, yeah. But it's not really universe, it's character. Exactly. Uh, that's right. It's how you use the tools given to you. That's true. That's fair. So I guess, well, while I, while I abstracted kind of the we we are we we abstracted the question from the beginning but i'm i have i think fairly established it like i like universe more and maybe i need to explain that more in depth and we can go into it but i'm curious specifically to you two guys when you watch something or when you listen to something or read something do you are you more drawn to the characters or are you more drawn to the questions around the universe like well what's this what's that over there what's behind this corner like it has to be character character okay because if if it's boring characters you have the most interesting universe in the world Mm. i don't care what's happening to the person in the story why would I read the story that's fair. or watch that's, that's it or whatever? Yeah. There's no point in continuing on. Yeah. I I will hold up. Uh, Wheel of Time has, in my opinion, some god-awful characters in it. But I will power through those characters' chapters because I like that that universe. So uh, you could just read like a dictionary of like the basic <laughs> universes and you'd be fine. I, no, no, no. I, the interactions that these characters have in these universes are important. It's a living universe at that point. Um, but... I, I, I think I'm, I guess I'm going to think of Harry Potter again. It's like, I don't like Harry Potter. I don't like that character, but I like that world. No. And we I, follow Harry Potter through a lot of that world. And what happens around him to me is more interesting than what he does. I only read about half of the first book because I did not care for the character. Right. Yeah. And the universe wasn't enough to pull me in, mm-hmm. but you did bring up a point there. Wheel of time. I read way more of that than I wanted to because right? the universe was so interesting. Well, the universe is really interesting and then you probably stick around for the characters you like. Yeah. Like, I'm going to skip this chapter and go to this character's chapter. <laughs> I'm not going to name names. <laughs> You're making it sound like there's no plot to these books. Oh, there's oh, a, there's plot. There's there is so much plot. There's too much plot. Because <laughs> it's, it's like Lord of the Rings in that you've got, you've got multiple main characters and you start to follow them individually. Like they start as a group and then you follow them individually as they spread out across this world. But then those separate characters start to get main characters around them, and then you start to follow these secondary tertiary characters as well as all the main characters you started with. And so you, 
you might read six chapters and each chapter you're following a completely different character in a completely different situation. I All you want to know is what's going on with Perrin right now. <laughs> <laughs> um, Which book would you start with? In, in Wheel of Time? Yeah. Well, I mean, they are chronological. Yeah. Like, yeah. They, they do okay. follow one after another. Yeah. So you want to start at the beginning. But there are like books like five through eight is a slog because it's like a lot happened. Or I should say it's a lot of book for a very small yeah. amount of stuff happening. Because we're following so many characters at right. once. Book seven especially, which I think is the biggest one, or at least they it all, was at the point. They've all bled together in my it, mind. Yeah. Um, it was um, it was about the time time that like the White Tower they were trying to reunify yeah. like that. While that civil war was interesting, and I liked um, Egwene like becoming the the huge spoilers for Wheel of Time, her becoming like a, a secondary Armalin like that's a badass story like it's yeah. really cool. But then it, it just drugs so on long. and on yeah. and on. And I'm like, all right, there's, like, there's a lot of politics yeah, here. That... <laughs> like, uh, the first half of book seven is set up for like eight different stories. Yep, it's a lot. Um, they really should have split some of those up. Or um, just cut some out. Uh, yeah, for sure. Is it filmable? I think uh, when, because I think they're working on a show, if I remember right. That yeah, there was an always been a while rumors, ago. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I think there's always been talk of a show. Yeah, I think Am- yeah. last I heard Amazon was doing a show. That was pre-pandemic. Last I heard of it yeah. though, so who yeah, knows. knows at this point? Um, I think it's absolutely filmable because they can cut a lot of chaff from the I, books. Yeah. Um, I think that series is actually one of the few books that would benefit from becoming a movie. Yeah. Well, a series of movies would need to be a few at least. Yeah. And. And just like George R. R. Martin with his food porn in Game of Thrones, uh, what food? Food. Oh. food. Like he goes on and on about the food they're eating and describes it in great detail, to an unnecessary degree, in my opinion. Uh, Robert Jordan did a similar thing with like clothing and yeah. like certain reactions for characters in Wheel of Time. Like, I I I know there's a number out there. Someone's done the count, but like the number of times characters smooth their dress because they're <laughs> agitated about something or they sniff. Or they shift. Which was the style at the time. Right. It just, it, it, it's a lot. Yeah. It's a lot of unnecessary dis- description. And can we talk about how um, fantasy authors love writing songs that aren't very good? <laughs> uh, we should talk about this in another cast at some point because, like, I don't... How can you ever hear the song that the author heard in their head? Mm-hmm. Right. Maybe because we you read it and you maybe have, like, a poetic cadence, you know, like A-A-B-B, you know, in your head as you read it. But, like... Maybe that's a really drawn, long, drawn out, long song in the author's mind, yeah. and it yeah. makes way more sense. I don't know. I just, I think songs and books are cool, but also really weird and yeah. hard to portray. In, in in my opinion, you get like two or three, till I have decided that these are not relevant to the plot. <laughs> yeah, it's always you know you walk into an inn and there's a character who is unnamed and will remain unnamed Playing and will never be talked about again, but we're going to see his song. whole song. <laughs> that, but that's universe building, Robin. It's great. And it's amazing. <laughs> universe building is always a good thing. Oh, stop. <laughs> kind of closing thoughts. Um, I, I, you guys both have said character engages you more. And I think that's a great point. If you have a boring character, you're not going to want to keep reading regardless of what's happening in the background and is amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I anytime I consume something, I always want to. I, it's those unanswered questions that keep me engaged and I, keep I, me going. I definitely agree with you. An interesting universe. I want to know more about it. Yeah. But uh, again, I need an interesting character. Yeah. At least one. Yeah. So I, 
I, maybe this is me reading into your guys' reactions too much, but like, was this a moot point to begin with? Was this not a comparison we shouldn't have been making? <laughs> Both are important. <laughs> no, because um, I honestly, I think universe is is completely unimportant. Really? Uh, yeah. You I mean, yeah, <laughs> an interesting universe is is good, mm-hmm. but I am never going to read something just for the universe. Yeah. He's right. I mean. An interesting universe is populated with interesting people, and we should be following the most interesting of those people if we're going to be in this universe. Hmm. I don't know that I agree with that. <laughs> like, the, do you think do you, you want to so, follow the maids? Are, that are, are you going to read? Are you going to read the Similar? Uh, I don't even know how to pronounce it. The Silmarillion. Yeah, Silmarillion. Are you going to read just that Ugh. without having ever read Lord of the Rings? I tried to read Silmarillion, Boom. and it reads too much like the freaking Bible because it's all like this person, son of that person, son of that person, son and of that person. There's another great example. Bible. Amazing universe. <laughs> <laughs> the Jesus character, totally unrealistic. <laughs> <laughs> Unrelatable. <laughs> but, but I wanted to point you say you want to follow the most interesting character, but I would argue that most of the time, I, I think in a lot of stuff that I consume the main character isn't the most interesting character because we get to learn too much about that character. I like the intrigue and the mystery of the turtle. You want to keep changing. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> this has been Strikes Our Fancy, and thanks for joining us. Um, as, as always, we came to uh, no conclusion and provided nothing to society. Um, I've been one of your hosts, Craig. I'm Rob. I'm just a guy in the universe. Caleb, most interesting character. <laughs>